0: Okay, this morning we're just going to continue, I want to continue, and uh, as I prayed, how we've been, God's been bringing us into the reality as believers uh, using the type in Numbers, the 19th chapter, especially the first nine verses about the water of purification or it's the water of separation, and we want to get into about what it says about water and understand when God speaks of water, it always speaks of cleansing and it always speaks of the word of God. And it's very interesting how that the scriptures will, will bring that out to us. And just, just in, in being thankful for the full scriptures that God has given us, even if we consider, and in the past we've done this uh, as God has led us, altogether in the book of Job. And again, in the, in the book of Job, when we actually read that, we we understand that it was God who instigated, right? And who was the initiator of that whole what God had in mind was a trial, a separating, purifying trial for Job, but little did he know that. Little did he know that, because as we have read in Job 32, 1 and 2, he was, in his own eyes, the righteousness that God declared him to be on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ, Job was making to be his. He was taking it and making it to be a self-righteousness. And so the the measure of what he thought was his own righteousness was, of course, something that God had done and given him through Christ. And then because of that, because of the very blessings, the the, the wealth that this man had, as you can read it yourself, the very wealth that this man had, he would even use that wealth for himself. Because why? Because everything about him was self-righteousness. And so we can see that in, even in, the, in Job, the first chapter. But what we do see is this. We do see this very, very clearly, that when God even instigates it, when he does so, we also see in one five of Job, and, it, and, and I'll read it to you, and it, and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them. And rose up early in the morning, see? Something about these early mornings, isn't there? Rose up early in the morning, and listen to what it says. And offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Okay, and we know himself was not in that number. (laughs) Because this is what it says. The number of them all, all his children. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So Job did this continually. Verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. This is why we say the sons of God in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, were angels. Because this is in the heavens, this is being brought out. Okay, Not until... Christ was crucified, rose from the dead, and sent down the Holy Spirit, that we became the sons of God. And we can see that clearly uh, in the Scriptures in John 1, 12. And we see it in Galatians 4, verse 6, and Romans 8, verse 15. But here, here, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. He came what? He came among them or really the adversary, Satan, the adversary, God, appeared in the midst of them. And the Lord said unto Satan, where, where, where did you come from? And this can give us an idea of our spiritual warfare and how we're to walk forward and how so very important it is to have our feet shod in Ephesians six fifteen. With, where, where it says the gospel of peace, and we've brought that out. Sometimes that will be taught when you consider Isaiah 52, verse 7, how precious are the feet of them that preach the gospel, the, good, the glad tidings of the gospel. And it's not talking about preaching there in Ephesians 6, verse 15, having preaching the gospel of peace. Although we do that, and the only time we can do that is when our feet are shod with the peace that we have with God, because our feet have been what? Cleansed, washed, right? So they came and he said, where did you come from? Then he answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. That's what he's doing. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed at all. That's what he's doing constantly, okay? And the reason that we need to watch and especially as for each of us individually, but as, as leaders too, in 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13, and 14, we're to watch. Part of a, a pastor teacher, shepherd who feeds the flock is not just to feed them, but to watch, especially in the night season. And of course, the night season speaks of the physical absence of Christ. But he's no less absent when that shepherd is attached or submitted to the head in Ephesians 4, 8. And so we need to watch. Why? Because the enemy for every single believer, if we understand this, is the most evil genius record keeper that you ever thought of. He has a record of every single sin, every single weakness, knows when, where, and how to come against us. And he's watching, and he never ceases to watch. Ever do we, is it necessary then for us to watch? And what prevents us from walking forward experientially in the peace that's ours? And again, that goes into the washing of the feet so that we can experience the peace that's ours in our position in Christ. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, he is our peace. So, that's what Satan's answer was, from going to and fro, up and down in in the earth, and the Lord said unto Satan, have you considered, notice what it says, my servant Job. Was Job a servant? Was he a worshiper of God? In part, yes. yes. He was. There's no question about it. He was a servant. Which means when we're a servant, that simply means when we're God's servant, we're worshiping him in some measure. And can we do that, again, with unclean feet? We can't, can we? None of us could. Because you can't be a servant of him, a worshiper of him, and you can't serve sin, a worshiper of sin. You can see that in John chapter 8, verse 34. And the Lord said unto him, Have you considered my servant? Job, that there is none like him in the earth. Why was there none like him in the earth? I don't know. Did it have to do with Job? Where did all his righteousness come from? Which, again, he was very ignorant of. He's very ignorant. But And all his substance, all his material wealth, where did it come from? It came from God. Every single bit of it. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth. As far as in the east, as far as we can see, as far as we can study the scriptures and do it in isagogics in its historical frame of reference, as far back as we can go, And during that time he was a man from the east and he was the wealthiest man in the east. And many looked up to him. We'll see how that happens. And what... Well, have you considered him? There's none like him on the earth. A perfect and upright man. Meaning he's complete and he's upright. What was that? Standing upright in the position that I placed him in when he received the sacrifice of my son as his righteousness. That's what it's saying here. And one that, what? Feared God. Did he, in, in, in a great measure, did he? Did he reverence God? and have a reverence and awe of God. I mean, even in the fact that he would get up every single morning early and offer a sacrifice for his children, I mean, wasn't that? That was awe and reverence for God. Again, he did forget himself. Like we we are so apt to do when we don't watch and we don't watch properly because there's a lack of humility and dependence in our experience and it's usually because there's distance, and what causes the distance is the unclean feet. And that again, we that was brought out in John the 13th chapter. But he reverenced and had an offer God, and he had not he didn't want anything to do with evil. He assured evil. And of course, then Satan answered the Lord and said that what why does God why does he ha- have awe for you? I mean, you know, why does he have awe for you? I mean, honestly, you know, uh, you've made a hedge about him. You've put a hedge about him. What is he saying? You've protected him. You've made him rich. You, you, you've hedged this guy in. He's not hurting for anything. He's not hurting for a single thing. And, and about him and his house... And about all that he has on every side, you have blessed the work of his hand. Who did that? Do we bless the work of our own hands? Are we the source of it? Do we have any wisdom apart from him? And, and, and of course, if we like it, we can ask in James 1.5. And that wisdom comes from Christ, who is our wisdom in 1 Corinthians one twenty four, And it says, you have blessed the work of his hand and all his material substance is increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and you know what? He'll curse you. He will curse you to your face. And what's that? I mean, he's going to murmur. He's going to (laughs) complain. He's going to question. He's going to answer you back. In other words, to answer God back means here's the word. He's made it very crystal clear to us. But with doubt, we answer him back. With worry, we answer him back. And, of course, worry is betraying trust in him, right, for any of us. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power by my permission, only upon himself put not forth your hand. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. Now, did he do all of that? Did Satan do all of that? Yeah, he did all of that. Why was God allowing it? Everything that he went through, and we can see it clearly by the time again, and I want to read this one, and, and this is very, this is incredible. We have this whole series, a whole series of just, it seemed like um, multiple trials. <laughs> Do you ever think that way? When's it going to end? <laughs> when will it ever end, you know, and, and, uh, and why doesn't it end? Is it because God's against me, or is it because he's for me? Is God against me or for me? So we see the whole trial. Of course, he had his three friends. And by the time you get to the end of the 31st chapter of, of Job, you see Elihu, who is the type of Christ in, 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 his, in the way he is speaking Towards Job, we see that in 32, 1 and 2. It's because he he was he was self-righteous in his own eyes, and doing so, he justified himself and not God. Meaning he he made himself guiltless and blamed God. <laughs> Do you, yeah? you ever blame somebody else? Yeah. yeah? If they didn't treat me this way, I wouldn't be this way. Well, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's not that that goes into a man that defiles him in Matthew the 15th chapter and Mark the 7th. It's that, that 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 comes out. That defiles the man. And the defiling for a believer that's in Christ is living in the lie of a defiled conscience. But we can't experience that in Titus 1.15 through being an unbeliever. And when we have dirty feet, how do we function? As unbelievers. Answering God back. and uh, who's for us, by the way, and never changes his mind about being for us. It's very interesting. But by that time, we get to the 29th chapter, and I counted it, and you can look there, okay? And in that, there are 25 verses. 25 verses in Job, the 29th chapter. And I counted them, numbered them in in a different Bible. And it was 51 times. It was I, me, myself. <laughs> I, me, myself. What was he functioning in? Uh, functioning. What kind of feet did he have? Was he walking forward with pure, purified feet? No. Nope. He wasn't going forward. And that's We don't go forward in our experience with him in the self-life. Now look at what it says. Even in Job 29, verse 1, moreover, Job continued his parable and said, oh, that I were as in months past. You're in a trial. You ever been in a trial? fierce trial? And if you, if you don't know the purpose of the trial, right, well, then what are you going to do? You're going to look back. You're going to look back. Look what it says. Right? As in the days when God preserved me, like in the trial God wasn't either, right? When his candle, when his lamp, his light shined upon my head, understanding, and when by his light, notice that his light, I walked through darkness, what would stop that? As I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, see his body. When the Almighty was yet with me, when my children, see, I, me, I, me, I, I, count them all. <laughs> When I, I was in the days of my youth, and the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me and when my children were about me, me, <laughs> there's another me, when I washed my steps with butter, yeah, you did, sure you did. And the rock poured me out rivers of oil. And when I went out of the gate through the city. Yeah, like you could even do that without him. And when I prepared my seat in the street. (laughs) Look at what it says. And the young men saw me. And they hid themselves for awe and reverence of me. Ooh, there's Job. (laughs) Right? And the aged arose and stood up and recognized me. God went, oh boy, God forbid no one should do that to us, right? How dare they treat us that way? Whoa. Yes, very interesting. The princes refrained talking. They put their hand on their mouth when I came in. Whew. <laughs> the nobles held their peace, and their tongue cleaved to the room of their mouth. They weren't saying anything. When the ear heard me. Oh boy. Oh, do we love to hear. You know, we love to hear. You know what a lot of times our sharing is? We love to hear the sound of our own voice. And we want others to hear it too. When it heard me, and it blessed me, and the eye saw me, and it gave witness to who? Me. Because I delivered the poor that cried. You know, it was my wealth that I accumulated and I gave to the poor. I forgot. Job, did you forget? Where did you get that from? Whoa. Did you forget somehow? Mm Mm-mm. When I gave to the poor, see, that cried, and the fatherless, and him that had none to help him, the blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me. Oh, And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy, Jesus. Verse 14. I put on righteousness. Woo! Whoopee. And it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. Oh, look how precious I am. Sounds like the Pharisees, right? With all their phylacteries and their long robes and all the legalistic crowd that still's around today. They want you to hear them. Oh yes, they have a lot to say and you have a lot to hear. Right? Right? And and as a robe and a diadem. You know, when it talks about crowns in the bible, there are only two a diadem. That's only something that Christ wears. We can have a stephanos, a crown that doesn't fade, but only he has the diadem. But guess who has that one too? <laughs> Oh boy, taking something that only is from Christ and making it mine. And not even realizing, as a man, as a servant, as one who's, who's the very righteousness of Christ is in him, I make it mine. I was eyes, notice I, I was eyes to the blind. And feet was I to the lame. I, <laughs> wow, I know something. I was a father to the poor, and the cause which I knew not, I searched out. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know, the last time I checked in Romans eleven thirty three, his ways and his understanding are past finding out. But, but Job arrived, just like sometimes we do. <laughs> and I broke the jaws of the wicked. Man, I was something. And plucked the spoil out of his teeth. Then I said, I will die in my nest, and I will multiply my days as the sand. Isn't he something, huh? My root was spread out by the waters, and the dew lay all night upon my branch. My glory, oh God. God forbid in Galatians 6 verse 14 that I should glory. And as long as my feet are dirty, I will glory even in those My glory was fresh, was fresh in me. (laughs) Yeah. And my bow was renewed in my hand, all my strength. Upon me men gave ear and waited and kept silence. Guess what? At my counsel. And uh, very interesting. After my words, they didn't even speak again. (laughs) you know, because it was all about me, right, right, and kept silence, right, and my speech dropped upon them, and they waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the latter rain, I laughed on them, and they believed it not, and the light of my countenance they cast not down, I chose out their way, like I know better. I don't even know for myself. And I'm going to tell you what I think God should have you do based upon me. How many plans are established in that? Dear Lord, help us. Right? God. Wow. My countenance, they cast not down. I chose out their way because I couldn't even choose my own. And sat chief. Uh-oh. There it is. There's the flesh. Chief. Number one. Look out for number one. Chief. And dwelt as a king in the army as one that comforts the mourners. Boy, isn't he something, right? That's the me, myself, and I chapter. You know what it is for believers? And where God has to bring us after having done everything for us in chapter 3, 4, 5, 6 of Romans, he has to bring us into chapter 7. You know, if we're going to go forward, you know we're going, going down. We're going down because that's the me, myself, and I chapter in Romans 7. And so you take Job 29 and you take Romans chapter 7 and boy, we're going to learn some things about what? Oh, little old self. (laughs) Little old self. So, does God leave us? Did he leave Job? Did he have to teach him? How does he teach us? why does God do this? Having given us his son, is there any other fellowship outside of him for us as believers that are positioned in him? And if I don't have fellowship, it's because I don't have clean feet. And if I don't have clean feet, am I going to continue to walk forward? No, I just stay where I am. You know why there's so much immaturity you know and do you know why a lot of christianity is made up of this yeah god bless me so i can eat drink and sit on and play i can laugh i can infuse myself a little bit <laughs> maybe because i'm so convicted that i just want to escape it for a while you know and i'm going to look for someone else who will recognize me <laughs> and we can both escape at least for a couple of seconds And God is not having it. And if you and I are going forward with clean feet, by the grace of Almighty God, without being legalistic or judgmental, we ain't having it. We're not having it. (laughs) I mean, what is so hard? What is so hard? I mean, Isaiah 116. Listen, cease to do evil and do good. What are you waiting for? I mean, God's gonna give me grace to continue in sin, and I think that's what is happening. If I live and you live in one single known area of sin, if you do, you are not having fellowship with God. Thereby, you are not, and I am not, having fellowship with one another because my personal fellowship is based upon Christ and I can't fellowship with him and live in known sin. That's why, by the grace of Almighty God, in love without judgment, we're not having it here. Everybody's welcome, everybody's not welcome to bring their sins with them. That's crystal clear in the scriptures, okay? Because of the glory of Christ, and that will inhibit not only the individual, but when in that individual brings that particular sin into the local assembly, it stifles it. And God ain't had, not having it. And if I'm gonna be humble and dependent upon him, I'm not having it. It's not okay. Sin, known sin, is not okay with God. And can I bring dirty feet in <laughs> and make light of things? You know, we you know when we come to hear the word, okay, it's a time to be very sober. Don't need any giggling and, and any of this kind of nonsense. Matter of fact, we don't even need it when we gather. We don't. We don't. Why? <laughs> yeah, see, my feet are dirty. <laughs> How about yours? <laughs> no fellowship. No fellowship, not interested at all. Mm-mm. No. Distance. See my distance? See my dirty feet? And think that you can have fellowship. You know to do good. You know it. Cease to do evil and do good in Isaiah 1.16. Old old covenant counsel. New covenant counsel. James 4.17. To him that knows to do good and still doesn't do it. To him it is what? Sin. And we should allow that. So, so what does a little leaven do to the whole lump? What's a little leaven do in one individual that brings it into a local assembly? affects everybody. Okay? And living in known evil with dirty feet, okay, is, is living in infectious evil that is in active opposition to God's divine good. We're not having it here. It's not okay. Okay, we're not. No, no. And, and you shouldn't be a friend to someone's sin, and neither should I. But if you read the epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, be a partaker of man's sins. Yeah, it's okay to do that. I have no problem. I do. I have a problem with it in me, first and foremost, and then I have a problem with it in others. Yeah. Just do. Dirty feet. Because what does it keep out? Did we ever even think that the fact that Christ washes our feet, you think it just has to do with us and our joy? How about his joy? How about deeply what he desires after having done all? You know, it's like marrying someone because you love them. And then that's it. That's it. No more. I mean, you know, this one you go your way, you know, this one goes this way, and we have all this distance between us. Dirty feet. Dirty feet. Well, the only way he can do it, and the only way he could do it with Job, was to teach him that there was hindrance, and Christ, having His joy, His joy, what He deserved, released in me. Yeah, it's it's interesting the way it says it in Luke 15, 7 and 10. That there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who changes their mind, Who does an about-face in their behavior. But you know, some just don't want to be led. Because in Romans 2, 4, it is the goodness of God that leads them to change their mind. Dang it, God's going to give me grace to live in sin until I change mine. No, he's not. Stop it. You know, we talk, we're going to talk about growing up. Don't be a partaker of other sins. Listen, there's no time for it. I'm, for me, this is my conviction, there's no time for it. Honestly. Honestly, for me, I've, I've said this to God and recently in my own life. God, I'm sick of operating in two in me the man flesh and the man in Christ. I, don't, I want one from now on, I just don't want the other guy. He's a liar, he's evil, he's wicked. It's not who I am, but I can function in the lie of it. No more, no more, seriously. And we need to know when we come together, Even what has what humor got to do with anything? Should be a lot less stupid fleshly humor and a much more joy and thanksgiving. Get rid of the rest. Because I'm serious. God is not interested in, in me at all. And it's distance between me and Him. Same for everybody. Yeah, right. Same for every single person. So there's a hindrance from Him having. The complete fellowship that he himself deserves to have with me. And I'm saying no. I I choose my dirty feet. You wait. And he, in Isaiah 30, verse 18, is condemning us? No, he's waiting to be gracious. That kind of love? I don't want the other guy. I am sick and tired of living in two guys. That's what my past few days have been. I'm sick of it. I only really want one. And boy, when you do that, he checks lovingly and graciously every area. I mean, every thought. Oh, wow, that, okay, yep, boom. Word, indeed. So I can be a life-giving epistle. Known and read of all men. When men get around me, what do they read? And oh, That guy just like me. And you want, you want to tell me about Christ? You want to tell me about God? You want to tell me you're praying for me? <laughs> you're just like me. And I don't think God would choose me or have anything to do with me. What makes this guy think that? Yeah. Yeah. So if I want to win an alcoholic, I should drink like one. Go to the bar and win them, right? Grow up. Stop being tossed... To and fro, by every wind of doctrine. Stop, and that's Ephesians 4, verse 14. Instead of growing up into Christ as my proper head, not living in the other sick head. In Isaiah 1, 5 and 6. Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy. Now, st- I am sick and tired of living in the restless man of the flesh. He's restless. Why? You don't have part with Christ, you don't have intimacy and fellowship with Him, and as a result, you're restless. And boy, does the enemy have something for you and I. Yeah, it's called chain sinning in Isaiah 30, verse 1. They go down to Egypt. When you're not going forward, you got dirty feet, you're going right back to the world system. That's right. And you start, but before it, before it becomes outward sin, it's, in a thought, it's a thought force and a function in your mind. It's called iniquity in Psalm 69, verse 27 in Romans 6, 19. They add iniquity to iniquity. Why? Because where does the dirty feet start? Right in the thought life. Right in the thought life. Here we, our feet are shod positionally in the midst of spiritual warfare with the gospel of peace. On God's side, he sees me in Christ and has peace with me. Do I have it with him? Are my feet shod? Are they clean? Will they be shod with peace experientially if they're not cleansed? Wow, the feet need to be washed, because until there is, there's going to be distance, and boy, is that dangerous for you and I. If you and I don't even, haven't come to the point where, and and the place where, we know that the flesh that's in us, in Romans 8, 9, that we're not of, is utterly ruined and totally depraved. You know, there was a book out years ago, you know, man, he fell, and we all fell and were depraved, but, you know, some are more depraved than others. That's not biblical at all, by the way. You and I are totally depraved in our own individuality. Compare yourself and the flesh all you want, doesn't make any difference. We have no idea, just like we don't know fully in the beauty of the light that will be ours for eternity, what we're saved to. We have no idea what we're saved from. But I can tell you one thing when I read the scriptures, I know that when that was all those sins, those thoughts, those putrid emotions, and all those sins were put on him, and it had to be dark when God, the Father, God in his government wasn't operating as his Father. That's why he said, you know, my God, my God, government, justice, dealing in wrath with sins that were put on him. It had to be dark. I, I've said before, and not in a condemning way but god i just all of my lifetime of sins alone on you i can't even imagine what that was like but every believer and only believers every believer phew, i can't even imagine yeah and i want to live in that second man You know, when we get into the men, the two men that are in us. if you don't believe it, read 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Read it. And you and I will see. And you can see it in 44, right to 49. Yeah, there's two of us. As much as as the one naturist will teach, and they'd even teach that, teach eternal life, But they'll teach lordship salvation too, legalism in some form. Why? You know? And they'll teach one naturism. You don't have the flesh anymore, it's gone. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they'll teach Romans 7 like it's not safe, but they'll forget the previous flow of the other chapters. Three, four, and five, and six. And coming to that place and realizing they're already positioned in Christ in Romans 7, verse 25. And live in the freedom with clean feet of Romans 8, 1 through 39. You, listen, you, God will not separate himself from me and my position in Christ. But sin will separate me from him. I keep him out because he won't look on it. I don't care. The smallest little sin. And sometimes we categorize them, don't we? Yeah. Well, it cost him his life. Even the smallest little thing that we think is so easy and so sinful. And we just pass it by. You, do I think and do you think that God in his wrath passed by one single one of those that were ours? Did he just do a general thing? No. He dealt with every single believer's sin, every single thing. Christ, Christ took an amazing hit that we, we can't even fathom. And we're going to live in what he paid for? I know one thing, I don't want to do that. That's what I say. I'm sick of the other guy. And thank God, by his grace and his mercy and his truth, he's made me that way. Because he's the only one that can do that. This this moral distance between him. This reserve. (laughs) I'm going to reserve certain areas because, you know, I know I shouldn't do it. But, yeah, there's the distance. Listen, we don't, I don't want it here anymore. Seriously. So, if you want to do us all a favor, okay, if there are known sins, okay, we all need to do that so we can have the flow of the word, deal with sin in us, so that we can be a joint that supplies. But if there's going to be sins and you want to do them in private, great, but please don't bring them here anymore. Okay? All right. Because we need to look out for each other. And if someone's not looking out for themselves, maybe they need someone to confront them. Maybe they do. If they don't do it themselves. I don't know. Allowing, no, no, stop it. Stop it. I mean, that doesn't become a distraction. That doesn't take someone's attention. You know? We need to, and the only ones that can deal with the distance that the individual has is that individual with Christ. Because if they don't, then it becomes an issue and a distraction to the whole body. And it limits Christ. And any of us, let me tell you huh, believe me. Whew. Well, what does it take? You know, the smallest thing that unfits me. For Christ brings in a moral distance between us and him, the individual, between us and him, the very smallest thing. And so what do I do? I withdraw my feet from his gracious hand, and I keep my dirty feet to myself. But keep it from his hand. Because where do dirty feet belong? When we're his, where do they belong? In his hand. And his hand speaks of what? Condemnation or grace? grace That's right It does It does and we, and, and, and we can hinder that We hinder him from taking our feet And washing them Did you know that That's why we submit our will Will means here Here's my dirty I'm, I'm, I'm done with it Here That's the will That's the will but when I withdraw my feet from him, what do I do? I thwart and hinder the action of his love for me, which should bring him joy to be able to fellowship with me and me reciprocate it. We just think it's just us. God's doing all this for us because his son did all that. Yeah, and what about his son? You don't think he has joy? Now, as the husband on the day of the marriage, does he have any joy marrying the wife? Is it just about her? Oh, or are they one in an exchange? Does one initiate, one receive and give it back? Yeah. We're not receiving and we're not giving anything back with dirty feet. Not doing it, distance it's between him and I. And he, he, what? He has to allow you and I that it can't be any other way. How long it going to take? Oh, Lord. Let, let me tell you. Let me give you a warning. Don't wait as long as I have. Don't. It's not even close to being worth it. You miss his beauty. You miss so much with him. Yeah. I'm up, maybe up a little further on the mountain with years and even his grace. I can turn around and say, don't go that way. Oh, don't go that way. Mm -mm. That's what leaders do, you know. That's what they tell you. You know, follow me in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 as I follow Christ. But let me tell you something, don't go this way. Yep. You'll, you'll get your feet dirty. Yep. You'll get them dirty. And you're gonna you, then you then you're gonna miss time of fellowship. Huh? You're gonna miss time. You're gonna miss time. Thank God. My prayer has been since I've gotten back here from Texas is oh God, please redeem the time. Please redeem the time in Ephesians 5.16. The time is short in 1 Corinthians 7.29 because we're coming to a time where time in Revelations 10.6 it just won't be anymore. We enter into in Revelations 22.11 the fixedness of eternity. Time is very valuable. What do we do in our time with what God gave us? What do we do? You know? I, w- I don't want him to stoop. Do you know he still stoops to this day? He's still functioning in humility. He stoops. Jesus, It's just amazing to me. He stoops to wash our feet from everything, listen to this, that unfits us or disqualifies us, listen to this one, for himself. Mm, for himself, for his joy. I mean, if it's not his joy, do I experience it? Where does my joy come from? His life. Do I have life experientially with dirty feet? I don't. So what do we see? We see the selfishness. He doesn't treat us after it. He never removes his eye from the righteous. Job 36, verse 7, but the selfishness in us which passes over certain things. But his love for us, his jealous love for us, he's jealous, Exodus 20, verse 5, Exodus 34, verse 14, Deuteronomy 4, verse 24, and Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, his jealousy, the fervency and Fire consuming love of him, he overlooks nothing. (laughs) You mean he would overlook something in us that would inhibit him from releasing the action of his love, his joy and peace to us? I I don't know. When I live in sin, am I just missing things or is he? Well, because, you know, I have dirty feet. Because why? It's about me. It's about me. God deliver us. His love devotes itself to himself. And when it does, we become the object of it, of that incredible love that's ours. And that love in us allows nothing but that love. It doesn't even allow the very smallest thing to hinder that love. You know, a lot of the fears that we have are a result of our dirty feet. I venture to say, all of them. We yeah, yeah. have dirty feet. Because is there any fear and love in our position in Christ at 1 John four eighteen. I mean, after all, as he is, so are we. We're to have boldness in the day of judgment. Think about that. We're to have boldness when God judges. Why? Because there isn't any for us, because we're in Christ. He's already been judged once. And he that dies once... In the judgment, the just judgment of the love and justice of Christ fulfilled on Calvary dies no more in Romans 6, 9. God, what about our experience? Ah, Lord, anything that hinders it, for what purpose? In order that his love for you and I gratifies itself in having you and I as its very object. and That's why there's no fear in love. Because complete love, love that's completed everything about us, casts out fear. Because fear has what? Torment. Is there any torment for us in our position in Christ? No? About our experience. And fear brings what? Torment sooner or later. Living with dirty feet, living in, in particular known sins. After, isn't it torment? The alcoholic, the drug addict the homosexual, the lesbian, the gossiper. And I can be all of those, too, by the way, and still live in the lie of them, by the way. I don't know. Is there any distance there? Well, the joy of his heart is what? Is having you and I right where he is right now with an intimate communion and fellowship with him right now. Why do you suppose he intercedes for us? you think it's just about us? you think it's about himself? Do you think it's about his father? Do you think it's about a whole angelic realm that are looking in and learning from us? What does our life have to do with just ourselves? Nope, we're going to close. The joy of his heart is having you and I right where he can be And have that closest intimate communion and fellowship. And we can have a deeper joy. Because listen, his joy is far deeper than yours and mine. About what he's accomplished for you and I. And we can't have it, even experience his joy in part. Until his joy is being fulfilled by having that distance, those dirty feet removed. Cleansed, by the way. It gives the heart of Christ himself great pleasure to have you and I right where he is in the depth of fellowship than it could ever give you and I to be there with him. Oh God. Whew. God. That's what John 13 is bringing out in those first 11 verses. That's what Numbers, the 19th chapter in the type, is bringing out. As they we're on our wilderness journey, it's the washing... Jesus and wiping away of every soil, every sin experientially, which would not suit us, fit us, qualify us for his presence and his heart, his mind, and his emotions. So, Father, thank you. We praise you. Thank you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.